Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The Wagner paramilitary group attempts a coup in Russia. Putin may well have engineered this to, uh, in order to strengthen the home front. Reporters pepper Corinne Jean-Pierre with questions about a Biden business deal. This text message of Hunter Biden saying he was sitting with his father trying to get money from a Chinese communist official. The Bank for International Settlements issues a warning on the world economy. We enter into the, we're in an era of policy errors. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Monday, June 26th. I'm Mike Scott. It was the Russian coup that really wasn't. Over the weekend, rebellious mercenary soldiers of the Wagner Group, led by Yevgeny Prigozhin, pulled back from occupied Russian cities, causing government troops to withdraw from defensive positions on the streets of Moscow. According to reports, Prigozhin claimed that Moscow killed some of his forces and, as a result, They were going to march to Moscow to take revenge. However, by Saturday evening, the minor rebellion came to an end with an agreement brokered between Russia's president and the leader of the Wagner Group. Under the terms of that agreement brokered by Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko, Prigozhin will go into exile in Belarus but will not face prosecution. Neither Putin nor Prigozhin has been heard from since the deal. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the private military rebellion against Vladimir Putin is a major blow to the Russian president. What we've seen is extraordinary. Think about it this way. 16 months ago, Russian forces were on the doorstep of Kiev in Ukraine. Uh, believing they would take the capital in a matter of days and erase the country from from the map as an independent country. Now, what we've seen is um, Russia having to defend Moscow, its capital, against mercenaries of its own making. Blinken believes there were some signs that Prigozhin was challenging Russia's military strategy and the Russian president himself. I think it's been no secret to many people over many months that these tensions were rising. They were brewing. Uh, Prigozhin was already saying some rather extraordinary things about Russia's conduct of the war in Ukraine and going directly at Russia's military leadership. So this was a a rising storm. Blinken goes on to say that the military rebellion waged by the Wagner Group's leader shines a new light on the Russian president and his invasion of Ukraine. We've also seen rise to the surface profound questions about the very premises for this Russian aggression against Ukraine that Prigozhin surfaced very publicly, as well as a direct challenge to to Putin's authority. So I think we've seen more cracks emerge in the the Russian facade. It is 
too soon to tell exactly where they go. Blinken says it is now hoped that the military rebellion against Vladimir Putin will only help in Ukraine and Ukraine's effort to reclaim its territory seized during the Russian invasion. This is, at the least, mm-hmm. um, uh, an added distraction for, for Putin and for Russia, I think is to the advantage of Ukraine. It continues to move forward with the counteroffensive. These are early days, but they have in hand what they need to be successful. It's going gonna, it's gonna to unfold over weeks and even months, uh, but this just creates another problem for Putin. Former National Security Advisor John Bolton believes that Russia's intelligence apparatus needs some work. There's obviously a significant intelligence failure here on the part of the Russian FSB and and, and other services. Uh, As I think uh, the U.S. government has indicated, there were plenty of signs out there. It wasn't just due to to, uh, intelligence work that we learned about this. Uh, And and yet the Kremlin seems to have taken little or no uh, precautions. It is not yet clear what the fissures opened by the 24-hour rebellion would mean for the war in Ukraine. But it resulted in some of the best forces fighting for Russia being pulled back from the battlefield. Retired Major General William Enyard admits the whole ordeal is a bit strange. Nobody knows what Prigozhin's plan or what his goals were in this whole escapade. This this entire uh, uh, escapade is, has raised more questions, really, than, than it's been answered. Um, the Purportedly, he had 25,000 troops. That's what he claimed. Uh, we, we know what those claims are worth. Uh, but uh, he did have a significant force that certainly raced up one of the major... Uh, interstate highways or the equivalent of an interstate highway, an expressway towards Moscow, and and did come within, uh, as the previous report indicated, uh, less than 120 miles uh, from the center of Moscow. Um, And uh, how many forces Moscow had there prepared to uh, respond to this threat, uh, again, is unclear. Uh, But certainly they were, uh, they had the police out, they had the National Guard out, and they were uh, preparing for a response. So this, this was viewed by the Russian government evidently as a very serious threat. The retired Major General finds it tough to get into the mind of the Wagner Group's leader. The, the, the question that comes to mind, though, is, is what was Prigozhin's plan here? Hey, what did he intend to do? Did he, did he think that the Russian military was going to come over to him? Uh, did he believe that the uh, Russian oligarchs would, would bring their wealth and power to support him? Uh, or is this whole thing uh, uh, an immense fraud uh, cooked up by Prigozhin and, and Putin together with the, the assistance of Lukashenko, the president of, of Belarus, uh, to uh, con the, the West or Ukraine into believing that Russia is collapsing? If he had to guess, Enyard explains what he thinks may be behind the short-lived rebellion. Putin may well have engineered this to, uh, in order to strengthen the home front. Um, uh, the Russians fear chaos. That's one of the reasons they loved Putin so much when he first came to power, because um, their democracy, like all democracies, was really messy, and there was a lot of back and forth, and, and, and uh, they didn't care for that. They weren't used to uh, the, you know, the trials and travails of living in a democratic society. They wanted a strong man in control, and that's what they have today. Um, so Putin, I, I don't think it's at all beyond Putin to think, uh, I will uh, get the public behind me in this because I will threaten them with the threat of the 1917 revolution and, 
and uh, all of the dangers of that. The U.S. had intelligence that Prigozhin had been building up his forces near the border of Russia for some time. Over the weekend, the press bombarded White House spokesperson Corinne Jean-Pierre with questions pertaining to the growing Hunter Biden scandal. The House Ways and Means Committee released what they allege is a WhatsApp text message Hunter Biden sent to a Chinese business associate using his father as part of what Republicans say was an illicit scheme. The President of the United States was involved, as this message seems to suggest, in some sort of a coercive conversation for business dealing by a son. Is that something, if he wasn't, then maybe you should tell us. So here's the thing, I, and I appreciate the question. I believe my colleague uh, at the White House Council uh, has answered this question already, has dealt with this, has uh, uh, made it very clear. I just don't have anything to share outside of what my colleagues have shared, uh, and so I would refer you to him and the, D- and the DOJ. Just not going to comment from here. I will, what I can tell you is I know that my colleague has dealt with this. He, he uh, addressed this at the White House Council. I just don't have anything else to share. I just, I just answered the question. I just answered the question. Yes or no, was the president involved in the shakedown attacks? Stephen, Stephen, I just answered the question. I just said, I just... This is, it's not up to you how I answer the question. I just answer the question by telling you my colleagues at the White House Council has dealt with this, and I would refer you to them. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby was also not able to shake questions about President Biden's involvement in his son's overseas business dealings. Let me, say, let me save you some breath if you're going to ask about this. I am not addressing I don't. I know you do more than I'd like you to have. I am not going to address this issue from this podium. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Republican Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas says that Attorney General Merrick Garland has been MIA on these allegations for political reasons. It's getting to the point where it's hard to be shocked by any corruption allegations against the Biden family, but these revelations today truly are shocking. That you had the highest reaches of the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the IRS meddling in these career prosecutors and investigators' work, refusing to allow them to bring charges where charges were appropriate so the statute of limitations would run out, refusing to allow them to execute search warrants where they suspected evidence of crime. This text message of Hunter Biden saying that he was sitting with his father trying to get money from a Chinese communist official and that there would be hmm. severe consequences for those officials if not. These are all shocking revelations. Uh, I hope that the House will be able to call in all of the supervisors who were involved in these decisions and have them explain it for themselves. Obviously, there's been nothing from Merrick Garland because Merrick Garland is running the most politicized Department of Justice in modern times. But we got to demand answers as well from Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, and Janet Yellen as Secretary of the Treasury, who oversees the IRS. Cotton believes that it's highly unlikely that President Biden didn't know about his son's business dealings. 
common sense has always said that. Joe Biden took Hunter Biden gallivanting around the world on Air Force Two for 13-hour trips. Now he's doing it on an Air Force One. Does anyone really believe that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were not discussing what Hunter Biden was up to? Like, why is he going to China? Who's he meeting with? How's he coming back with all this money? Where's the source of all the money that Hunter Biden is blowing on drugs and on prostitutes, as this investigator also revealed? I think those are questions that Joe Biden was asking, and I think there's a lot of conversation about it. This, the, these whistleblowers deserve to be heard, and their supervisors need to give answers. The Arkansas senator lays out what the investigation into the Bidens is all about. But this has never been about Hunter Biden or, or his troubles. This is about the corruption that Hunter Biden and, frankly, other Biden family members have uh, committed by trading on Joe Biden's name and his office. And it's not just when he was vice president. It goes back decades when he was in the Senate. So I'm pretty confident that when he was leaving the vice presidency in 2016, that he thought it was finally time that he could get some of that money as well. That's why you see emails out there talking about holding 10 percent for Joe Biden. But this has never been about Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's troubles. It's always been about what Hunter Biden and other members of the Biden family have done to trade on Joe Biden's name, office, and influence. Cotton theorizes why President Biden has not been more transparent about the allegations. Joe Biden's uh, gotten away with it now for 50 years. I mean, look what happened earlier this week. Hunter Biden got a slap on the wrist. They let the most serious crimes uh, lapse under the statute of limitations. They didn't even charge any crimes related to corruption or bribery or foreign influence peddling. Uh, So Joe Biden probably thinks that he's gotten away with it this far. And with the complicit media, maybe he thinks he can continue to get away with it. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, a GOP presidential candidate, was booed Friday at the annual Faith and Freedom Coalition's Road to Majority Conference in Washington, D.C., a gathering of evangelical leaders and some activists. The event marks the first time the 11 Republican presidential hopefuls all gathered in one place. Daybreak Insider congressional correspondent Edwin Mora has more on this story. Christie was booed by some in the audience as he was criticizing former President Donald Trump in explaining his decision to run for president in 2024. He's unwilling to take responsibility for any of the mistakes that were made, any uh, any of the faults that he has, and any of the things that he's done. And that is not leadership, everybody. That is a failure of leadership. And I, you can boo all you want. Some in the audience did clap afterwards as he noted that the Christian faith teaches its followers to take responsibility for their actions. Edwin Mora, Washington. Over the weekend, the Bank for International Settlements, an umbrella for the world's central banks, says that there needs to be more interest rate hikes because the world economy is at a crucial point. Despite several rate hikes over the last 18 months, inflation in many economies remains high. Augustin Karstens is the BIS general manager and says, quote, the global economy is at a critical juncture. The time to obsessively pursue short-term growth is past. Monetary policy must now restore price stability. 
Fiscal policy must be consolidated, end quote. BIS also showed that the cost of supporting aging populations will grow by approximately 4 to 5 percent of GDP over the next 20 years, and says that if governments don't do some belt tightening, debt in many world economies may be pushed above 200 percent of GDP by 2050. Hugh Hendry is the founder of Eclectica Macro and says the world is finding itself in the midst of many policy errors. I've said often and repeatedly that I I struggle to think of more than five people in the world that understand money. And and Andrew, unfortunately, is not one of them. Jay Powell is not one of them. They're they're a rare being. And so we we enter into the... We're in an era of policy errors. And to that point, you know, to that point, I would say to you that the world of economic macro... If you will, history changed 25 years ago. And I'd say that markets and policymakers have yet to embrace it. A big reason for some of the world's economic woes, according to Hendry, is the growth and collapse of China. And the change I refer to is the rise and prominence of China, the industrialization yep. of China, but with a closed capital account. Okay? Yep. And so, as deficit countries, we buy their goods and services. They have amassed an immense surplus of capacity in China et al. But in return, they buy our financial assets. They don't buy our goods and services. And so we're left with this predicament of profound asset price inflation, but disinflation, deflation in the real compensation for the real folk. And the central bankers don't get that. I'm afraid they're compounding it. Henry has an idea how the U.S. can right its economic ship. I would suggest that the U.S. government, as a form of flattery, turns around to their Chinese counterparts and says, you know what, it's hats off to you. It's been a success. You have risen in the last 30 years. China's gone from the GDP of Turkey today uh, to the size of continental Europe. And I would propose the U.S. close its capital account. Now, that would not be without consequences, severe and bad consequences. Asset prices would shrink. And guess what? The power brokers who control Washington are Wall Street, and they don't want it. However, Henry points out that in spite of China's growth, their currency is not following suit. The implication, Guy, would be that they would be forced to buy our goods and services. The implication would be that their currency would appreciate that 1.4 billion Chinese citizens would be wealthier vis-a-vis us via their currency. Yeah. Like over, since NAFTA, the Chinese uh, currency has devalued from roughly 6.5 to presently about 7.3, despite the magnificence of everything they've done. That defeats the logic of economics. Now that it's determined the five people on board that Titan submersible have been lost, there are difficult questions about who should pay for the cost of the rescue effort. Daybreak Insider's Jackie Quinn 
has more on the underwater tragedy. Maritime experts believe the cost of the U.S. Coast Guard's role in the search for the Titan will run into the millions of dollars, although the Coast Guard makes clear it does not associate cost with saving a life. That doesn't address the larger issue, though, of whether wealthy travelers or companies should bear responsibility for exposing themselves to such risk. The state of Arizona and Florida's Volusia County have approved what are called stupid driver laws, which charge motorists for rescue if they ignore barricades on flooded roads. I'm Jackie Quinn. And finally, scientists have released a report detailing that the icy moon of Saturn, Enceladus, may have all the elements necessary to sustain life. According to the report, scientists used archival data from a past NASA mission and found that the moon possessed traces of phosphorus, adding to the list of other chemicals necessary for life. Phosphorus is a vital element in the composition of bones, teeth, DNA, and RNA. It is also essential in forming cell membranes. This is why... It is so significant, the scientists believe that phosphorus was found. Retired NASA astronaut Mike Massimino explains the discovery and why so many are buzzing about it. So uh, Cassini, which is a probe that that, uh, went to Saturn a few years ago, they're still looking at all the data. And this one moon called Enceladus, this might not be as cool as like a UFO, but... Is that it right there? Yes, that's Enceladus. So that is a moon going around Saturn that is, has a frozen crust, but underneath that crust, it has oceans, right? So we think that life began in the oceans here on Earth, so there's an ocean there. And this newest discovery is that, as you said in the lead-in, that the final key element of the six, you know, the hydrogen, oxygen, uh, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, uh, carbon, and, and a sulfur. More. There we go. <laughs> and then you got phosphorus is what yeah. they found. So number six has just been found. Okay. So there could be the combination of things that could lead to life. Now, that doesn't mean that there's E.T. walking around. Right. But what it does mean is that in with our, and there's other places like this, like the moons of Jupiter as well, possibly under the surface of Mars, where there's the right combination of things that life as we know it might grow. But it would be like a microbial yeah, life. I- as cool as the discovery is... Massimino still thinks we're a long way off from finding life outside the Earth. We're talking a you know, really long time, and we might only find like, evidence of fossil life or anything like that would be, that would be cool if we could find that. That would be outstanding, but we're, we're talking still, for that discovery, we're still talking, even if it's just microbial, you know, we're maybe at least a decade or two away. Weighing in on the alleged UFO whistleblower from last month, Massimino says he's just not buying it. I don't think it's very credible, honestly. Why not? Like, it just is, you need proof. If you're going to make an outlandish statement, or you know, it, would be, it would be a world-changing statement. If, if this was true, it, it, you need to back it up with some evidence, and it's absolutely no evidence. And that's what I would want to see. People can make claims, but to make such a claim... You really need, you need some real evidence. Uh, and there's none. When it comes to extraterrestrial life, Massimino thinks there may be some out there, but we haven't found it yet, and it hasn't found us.
I do believe that there's life out there somewhere. You know, if you look, I, I, my message is with Hubble. I don't know where. We've got to find it. It's got to find us. But we haven't found each other yet. If you look at the, the, what the Hubble Space Telescope is showing us, the project that I worked on in my years as an astronaut, two flights there, there are billions of galaxies, Mike, with billions of stars in each one of those galaxies. With, and most of those stars have multiple planets orbiting around them. The chances are that there's some other type of life out there, some signs of it somewhere. I think are pretty high, but that doesn't mean we've been visited yet or right. that you know, we haven't found anything yet. And we're looking for more of the like microbial life or the, the combination of elements. That's legit. But these claims that, you know, we have these alien spaceships and all this that's that's all no. Right. You got you gotta come with some evidence <laughs> of that. At present, scientists determine whether a planet or moon may contain life by determining how similar it is to Earth in size, chemical composition distance from its star, and other key factors. Other bodies that are currently considered most likely to contain life include Europa and Mars. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.